Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thanks for gathering us here this evening, for the opportunity to spend some time in your word, to receive some rest and refreshment for our soul. We thank you for a beautiful day and for the opportunity some of us had to enjoy that day. But we pray that as we spend time in your word, that you would continue to implant that seed of faith deeply into our lives so that it might bear fruit at the proper time and in the proper way to your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So as the weather has turned nice, I know a lot of you have started to get out into your gardens. Uh, our grace-giving garden, I saw that the other day. There were a lot of people out there working on the grace-giving garden. And, and how many of you have gotten out into your garden? Who's a gardener in here that's gotten out in your garden? Yeah. How many of you stay as far away from your garden as possible? That's me too, okay? So I stay as far away from the garden as possible because whatever, like I had when I was growing up, do you remember those, like in the cups, the, uh, the grass pet things where they used to do that? They'd have that thing and then you'd grow the grass. Like I think mine came up brown. So like that's how bad of a gardener I am. But, but some of you love working in the garden and, and my oldest daughter, Megan, she loves being out in the garden. In fact, this year she had us go out and buy all sorts of gardening tools and seeds and she went out and started planting it. And, and her sisters at first wanted nothing to do with it because it was hard work, right? It takes a lot of work to till the ground, to pull the weeds, to prepare the soil, to get everything right, and then to make sure you space out the seeds far enough apart so they get enough soil and they get enough nutrients and they get enough light. And, and so and she did this, she did it meticulously. And then all of a sudden when you could start to see some of the fruit of that planting, the top part of that plant, that's when her sister said, oh, we'll help you. Right, Because the hard part was over. Now, now we can just do a little bit of the weeding and, and a little bit of the watering and things like that. But gardening takes time. It takes effort. It takes work. And it doesn't always get instantaneous results. Sometimes the work and the fruit of our labor when it comes to working in a garden takes longer than we want it to. And that's many times what happens in the kingdom of God. There are seeds that are planted, there's work that is done, but really that growth in the kingdom of God is not up to us. And that's a struggle we sometimes have, where we think that we can do more, and we try to accomplish more, but all that we can do is like the gardener, we plant at the right time, and we give it good soil and good sunlight and good care, and then we patiently work for how God is working. And so what we're going to look today at is in these parables, how does the kingdom of God work? And when we talk about the kingdom of God, what we're talking about is God's rule and reign both over the entire world, because God rules and reigns over everything, but these parables are going to be especially pointed at how does God's rule and reign work as he works in the church and through the church and according to those who work for him as the family of God. So we're going to open up our Bibles this evening to Mark chapter 4. So I encourage you to open up to Mark chapter 4. If you brought your Bible from home, um, you can find it Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 26. If you didn't bring your Bible from home, open up the one in front of you. You can find it on page 839, page 839. 
Jesus in Mark chapter 4 tells three parables about the sower and the seed. Three separate parables. And we're not going to look at the first one. That's the more familiar one. That first one is very much focused on the soil. So, so you have the rocky soil and the good soil and the soil that's filled with thorns and you have the path. And, and so that's the more familiar one if you're usually talking about the sower and the seeds. But there are two shorter parables that Jesus tells that are focused on something a little bit different. Where if that parable in Mark 4 verse 1 is focused on the soil... Mark chapter 4, verse 26 and verse 30, those two parables are actually focused on the seed and what happens with the seed. The first one. And Jesus said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade and then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe at once, he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Now in this parable, we know that the man isn't really an important part of the parable. And the reason is because it says, doesn't say the farmer or the man. And usually if that is a significant person in a parable, they will use the definite article the. But here it's just a, a man, any man, some man. He goes out and he starts to sow this seed. And what happens to this seed, to him, is incomprehensible. He does not understand. He doesn't get why the seed is doing what the seed is supposed to do. Notice it says that. It says that when he throws the seed down, he he rises in the morning, he goes to bed at night, the seed sprouts and grows, but he doesn't know how. He doesn't know why. Notice it's not about the effort of the farmer. He can't create the results For the seed that's sown. And so he takes seed, and these little seeds, and he throws it into the ground, praying that the seeds will do what a seed ought to do. And if a seed is thrown into the ground, what it ought to do is it ought to grow and produce crops, and then those crops can get harvested so that people can eat. And he trusts the seeds will do what they're supposed to do, but he doesn't know how. He trusts without understanding. The results aren't his. In fact, that's how the kingdom of God works. Is that you and I, when we work for the sake of the kingdom of God, we may do work, but we won't always be able to dictate the the results of that work. Some of you have worked with children and youth before. And when you've worked with children and worked with youth, or you've raised children and you've raised them through youth, you have done things to try to produce fruit in them, but it, always, it doesn't always result in the fruit that you're hoping for in the time that you're hoping for according to the, the results that you're looking for. Because we're not, we're, we can't dictate results. That's not up to us. In fact, what a farmer is called to do is really just to be faithful. His whole responsibility is to faithfully do what he has been called to do. In fact, we hear Paul talk about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Paul, speaking the same language, says this. He goes, so what then is Apollos and what is Paul? Talking about himself. He says, we are only servants through whom you believed. As the Lord assigned to each, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor, But for we are God's fellow workers, and you are God's field, God's building. 
Notice who he attributes all of the work to. All of the results to. He says, I'm just faithful. God is fruitful. Uh, I just plant or water, but God makes the growth. And you and I, that's what we're called to do. It's God's power. It's God's timing. It's God's planning and it's God's wisdom. And we try to control that. We try to control it in our children. We want to know how they're going to grow. And so we try to control their athletic growth by giving them the right coaches and putting them on the right teams. Or we try to control their educational growth by putting them in the right schools and the right classes and getting them into the right college with the right scholarships. Or we try to through, dictate their values by making sure they have the right friends and they believe the right things and they do the right things. And, and sometimes they don't always continue to follow the path we put them on. Because the results aren't up to us. Our calling, in whatever way God calls us to serve, whether that's to serve here at Grace as someone who sings on the praise team, or to serve in our children's ministry, or serve in our youth ministry, or or to serve in vacation Bible school, or serve in our school, or serve as a Bible study leader, or a small group leader, Our calling in whatever capacity God calls us to serve here at Grace, in our own homes, in our community, our calling is to be faithful. We don't get to dictate the results. That's not up to us. We are called to plant because the power isn't in the planting. Notice when you read that parable, the power wasn't in the planting of the seed. The power was in the growth of the seed. The power was in the seed itself. And all that the water does and the soil does and the planting does is activate the power that's already found in the seed. And that seed, when we read the scriptures in that parable, that seed is the Word of God. The Word of God is what carries the power. Which is why in the waters of baptism, we speak according to the Word of God. Which is why at the table, when you hear those words, take, eat, this is my body, this is my blood, we speak according to the word of God because the power is not found in the pastor, the power is not found in us, the power is not found in any other place except the word of God. In fact, that's why you and I, we need to constantly be in God's word. Isaiah talks about this very same thing. When I get to the yellow section, I would love for you to read that second section, the yellow part with me. Isaiah says, For as the rain and snow come down from the heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Notice whose power it is. It's the power of the word as it is sent by God. God is saying, saying, every time I send the word out, it will accomplish what I want. Every time the word goes out, it will do what I have called that word to do. You may want it to do a different thing. You may try to dictate what happens, but the power isn't in you. The power is in the, the spirit, the spirit that speaks through the word of God. And that's how the kingdom of God grows. It grows not according to what we want and how we work, but it grows according to how the Spirit works in the life of God's people. We are that planting. And that seed works in us as it is implanted in our hearts and in our lives so that at the right time, it might produce 
what God wants it to produce. And speaking in the same way, Jesus goes on and teaches that second parable. And he goes on and says, With what can we then compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use? It is like the grain of a mustard seed, which when sown in the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on the earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants. It puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make its nest in its shade. Notice in the second section, it's not talking about the incomprehensible nature of the seed, but the insignificant nature of the seed. That that seed, it is the smallest of all the seeds. And we might look at something small and go, how can anything great come from something that is seemingly nothing? And God reminds us that we need to look beyond the power of what we understand in the smallness or the significance of something and look for how God places significance on it. For instance, the world teaches, especially teaches men, that we need to be the biggest or the strongest or the fastest or the best. And I know my son, who's already in kindergarten, is starting to experience that because he competes at everything with his friends. Like, they compete at everything. It's always who's the first to the table and who's the first to recess and who's the first to finish their food at lunch and who's right. Like, there's always that competition and and there's always that we have to climb the ladder. We have to aspire for more. We have to conquer challenges. We have to celebrate victories. We have to be more than we are because we believe that there is power and significance. But throughout the scriptures, we're reminded that that's not the truth. You look at David. When King David was called, he was a little shepherd boy out in a field that was being passed over because how could, how could anything so great as a king come from so little of a boy? It was Jesus. And they said, can anything good come from Nazareth? Someone born in a, in a stable, crucified on a cross? How could anything great come out of that? You and I, we judge adequacy by perceived ability and significance. But God reminds us that the significance for the working of the kingdom of God isn't in what we judge something by, but by what God judges it by. Small beginnings can have glorious endings when it's not about us, but the power of God that is working within us. See that mustard seed, the smallest, one of the smallest of all seeds? Um, If you would plant it and you would go to Israel and see what mustard bushes are like, they can actually grow between 10 and 15 feet tall. From one of the smallest seeds to a 10 to 15 foot high bush. And the kingdom of God grows in the same way. It grows in something that is seemingly insignificant. The the speaking of, of the word of God And out of that, a kingdom grows. The kingdom of God grew through Jesus, who came down to earth, who suffered and died on a cross, who was denied and put to death. And yet in that seemingly insignificance of his life came the greatest significance of all. Because out of that one act, there have been 2,000 years of change. 2,000 years of worship 2,000 plus years of people gathering in the name of Jesus to worship and lift up his name and proclaim his goodness. The church grew out of seemingly insignificance, not because they were able to do anything, but because of their faithfulness, God produced fruitfulness through them. 
And notice what then happens when God's people are faithful to their calling. It says, when it grows big enough, it pushes out branches so that the birds of the air can make their nest in its shade. What do the branches of the tree do? The branches of the church do? It protects. I was riding the other day in a car with someone and we were talking about houses and how houses have changed. In so many houses today, uh, people are building decks and bigger and bigger decks. But I remember that when I was growing up, uh, we didn't have a deck, we had a porch. And we would sit out, or my parents would sit out on that porch, and, and we had a huge backyard, but none of us played in the backyard. We all played in the front yard. And right next to the road, and I know everyone's like, you don't play next to the road today, but we would play like right next to the road. Sometimes we would even play in the road, and cars would actually slow down so that you could get out of the way because we would look out for each other. People sitting on their porches would look out for other people and their children and their families, and and they would say, hey, did you know so-and-so stopped by your house the other day when you weren't home? Did you know that this happened? You know, like, why? Because people were outside in their porches looking out and protecting each other. That's what the kingdom of God is doing. The kingdom of God is about looking out for and caring for and protecting one another. It's giving each other a home so that we have a place to go to by which we understand the love and acceptance that comes by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. In fact, when it talks about kingdom growth, what Jesus is talking about here is this, is that kingdom growth comes from kingdom faithfulness. And that's what you and I are called to do, to just be faithful, to be faithful in reading the word of God because the more you get into the word, the more the word gets into you. So how much time are you spending in God's Word? How much time do you listen to Him? Because even if it's a minute or two minutes or five minutes a day, just a paragraph or three verses or that seemingly insignificant action of spending even just a little bit of time in God's Word can make a significant difference in your life. Because as God's Word is being faithfully planted in you, you are able to faithfully plant that Word in other people. That's our calling. As the church, as the people of God, we take what's been planted in us and we plant it in others, knowing that God can do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine according to the power at work within us. We heard before in the children's message about what would happen if you would take just those seeds from the apple tree and plant them and then produce more apples that produce more seeds and plant those seeds that produce more apples that produce more seeds and plant them to the degree that uh, I was thinking about this and, and did the math because that's what I do. I loved math. And so, so if each disciple, if there were just 20 disciples in a church and each disciple just went about saying, you know what, I'm just going to care about and invest in one person this year, just one. And I'm going to help that one person who doesn't know Jesus that is outside the kingdom of God to be brought into the kingdom of God so that they might nest in the branches of the church. If, we, if it was just one person, 20 people did it with one person, at the end of one year, you'd have 40. At the end of five, you'd have 640. At the end of 25 years, you know how many people you would have? You would have 1,342,177,280 people. 25 years. If everyone said, this year I'm just going to invest in one person. A seemingly insignificant act that has explosive growth because God's people are just being faithful and God will be fruitful. He brings the growth through our faithfulness. 
And as this is Father's Day weekend, I just want to encourage the fathers and the grandfathers and, and those that act as spiritual fathers to others who are in here. There are so many things that, that you as a dad or, or a grandpa or as a spiritual father might want to implant in the young men and young women in your life, but I need to, to tell you that the most important thing that you can do during this Father's Day weekend and as a father or grandfather is to allow God's word to be planted in you first. Because when that word is planted in you first, it is able to grow up into a plant that offers protection and care for those that you are there for. So allow God's word to be planted into your heart. Allow it to be planted into your life so that you can protect the hearts and the lives of those that God has brought into your life. That you can be those branches that offer shade and nesting to the birds that are out there. And God will do the rest. Be faithful. Allow God to be fruitful because the kingdom of God, it needs men, godly men, who stand up for the truth of God's word and say, I want this planted in me so I can plant this in others. And for the rest of us as well, as God plants this word in your heart, it will bear fruit. Because God is always faithful to his promises. And his promise to you is when God's word is planted into your heart and your life, it will bear fruit according to his power and in his time. In Jesus' name, amen.